Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome to another edition of From the Newsroom, the sometimes weekly podcast of the Holland Sentinel. I'm reporter up in Lobo, and today I'm joined by my two uh, editors. I got uh, we we have today managing editor Audra Gamble. Hi, Audra. Hey, Arpan. And we have our executive editor Sarah Leach. Hi, Sarah. Hello. And we are back today to kind of wrap about um, yesterday's uh, marquee event. Governor Gretchen Whitmer's third state of the state address, and it's one like unlike her first two for, well, obvious reasons. The coronavirus pandemic continues to go on in Michigan, in the United States, and across the world. And so yesterday, Whitmer gave her address virtually by herself in a format that was kind of like the sort of press conferences she's been holding for the past almost year. So today we're going to talk about what the governor spoke about. Uh, kind of the reaction to it, given the kind of disconnects between our Democratic governor and our Republican legislature. And then we're also going to kind of get into a discussion about maybe some of the dialogue around the governor that doesn't really relate to policy, and we'll save that for the end. But anyway, I guess just to start, Audra, I'll start, uh, I'll go to you first. COVID has been the biggest topic for since since March of last year. And it's obvious that the you know it's natural that the govern the governor would hit that most honor speech. We were mentioning that we maybe didn't learn anything new um, based on what the governor had already announced and what the legislature had already um, kind of replied to her with. Just what were your main takeaways of what the the governor kind of covered uh, last night? Right, like you said, you know we didn't hear any massive policy rollouts that she wants to do or, or any sort of brand, uh, you know, brand new introductions of, of goals or that sort of thing. But we really heard a, a reiteration of what we have heard a very consistent message from Governor Whitmer and the, the Michigan Department of, of Health and Human Services that COVID is the, the you know, absolute top priority of the state and really impacts all of the other priorities she has on her list, including education, including some environmental concerns, uh, of course, roads and, and health care. It, it really touches every aspect of not just our state, but we're seeing this in, in every state in the country. So it was a little interesting, I think, because Governor Whitmer has had this platform like you said, since March of last year, with these semi-regular, weekly-ish, vaguely weekly-ish uh, uh, updates, you know, about coronavirus and tangentially related items. So I think that it was a little important to note that while some of this information wasn't necessarily new, it was 
in the evening when more people could hear it rather than her general, they tend to be either, you know, one thirty or three o'clock during the workday updates. So I appreciated that part of what she did in regard to, to COVID, how it stands right now, which kind of ran through the numbers a little bit. And she took her time emphasizing that over 14,000 Michiganders have died of COVID. That's not a small amount. Um, and she really took a moment to recognize the loss that that is for, for 14,000 Michigan families. And then, you know, very blatantly said, my goal for the state is to have 50,000 vaccinations a day. And we're working toward that goal as, as fast as we can, as fast as we get those vaccines from the, the manufacturers. Right. And, and that's something that um, the, the COVID response has been something that she's taken a lot of criticism for, chiefly from the Republican leadership in both the uh, Michigan State House and State Senate. Uh, last year, the House was led by uh, then-Speaker Lee Chatfield. He's been term-limited. He's no longer there. Now it's uh, House Speaker Jason Wentworth. But uh, Senate Majority Leader Republican Mike Shirky is still there um, for at least two more years. And um, he has been kind of the more vocal, I think, member of that Republican leadership as well. Wentworth still kind of, you know, adjusts to, to his new role in leadership. Um, Sarah, I'll bring you in. Uh, Senator Shirky this morning did a couple radio hits and did a did a uh, press conference in, in response to um, Whitmer's address. And it was something to where it's, it's been a lot of the familiar criticism against Whitmer over the past year about kind of going it alone, I think is one of the, the chief phrases that the Republicans have used um, to describe her response. Just kind of your takeaways about um, what the Republicans have said, what uh, Majority Leader Shirky has said about the coronavirus stuff. Um, we can get into some of his other comments later in the podcast. <laughs> well, I think, you know, um, what what both sides were saying was relatively expected given um, the lay of the land as it is, as it stands in the beginning of 2021. Um, I think that Shirky, you're right. He is, he is the more vocal contingent of the state Republican party. He definitely is trying to, I think, connect to the voters who are obvious uh, supporters of former President Trump and people who don't agree with a lot of the executive orders that the governor has issued over 2020 that, um, you know, I, I guess is arguably controversial. I think that there was some controversy where there didn't really need to be controversy. Um, but specifically, social distancing measures wearing of masks, the fact that he he had contracted COVID at the end of 2020 and um, was more than likely on the on the Senate floor not wearing a mask while he was in fact positive for, for COVID. Um, there's there's just there's definitely a deep division that, that has become politicized about how to handle not, I mean just about the virus itself, but then also how to respond to it and what is the most appropriate way to move forward. The executive with the governor, a Democrat, is obviously to try to promote um, sweeping measures to protect public health, do everything that she can to try to stop the transmission of the virus. 
the Republicans on the other side have really pushed the message, pushed the message of you can't shut down the economy because once everything reopens, then we're basically going to be in a terrible position and we're going to, to default into some sort of recession. And the two sides just cannot seem to connect at all. So <laughs> there's a lot of rhetoric. There's a lot of she doesn't want to share the data. Um, from Shirky to Whitmer, there's a lot of Whitmer to Republican leadership saying, come to the table already when you are. And we just don't see really any steps towards that common ground that she says that she really wants to find. It was really notable right from the get-go of the speech that it was very clear that there is a lot of work to do <laughs> to get back to a more stable place for the state, for the economy, for the health of Michiganders. This phrase is much more, I think, easily recognized when you think about the president giving a State of the Union speech, but they always say, kind of no matter what is going on, the state of our union is strong. That's like the boilerplate you know, thing that they put in there. Obviously, in this case, it would be the state of our state is strong, but that's not what Governor Whitmer said. She said that the state of our state is resilient. And that's different than saying that it's strong. That's saying, you know, we made it through a lot of stuff and yet we have a lot to bounce back from and, and you know, continue that resiliency. And she talked about this Latin phrase right at the very start of her speech that I thought was was kind of an interesting addition where she said uh, l last year, 2020, was um, an annus horribilis, which means a year of horribles, which I think resonates with a lot of people <laughs> who have in fact lived that year of horribles last year from shutdowns and possible job loss and trying to figure out unemployment and you know, should you go to the doctor? Should you not? Will you get sick going to the grocery store? All of these things that so quickly turned on, on its head and made everybody's lives just kind of a mess. You know, that was very clear. I, th I think one of the few things that both sides of the aisle in Michigan can in fact agree on in Lansing, but where they, you know, absolutely depart is what to do next after those things occur. And I, it, it's still, you know, very clear that there's a lot of back and forth and frankly name calling sometimes of, of what those paths need to be for the betterment of the state. Yeah, I'm seeing a little bit of, of echoes of, of in Whitmer's speech. There's a little bit of parallels of what President Biden is also doing. Um, I know that he's been under, you know, he's been heavily criticized about, you know, oh, well, I have a plan when I become president and it's I'm going to do a lot of these things on either day one or by day 100. You know, the campaign is one thing, getting into the job is another thing. And so he has been criticized by the right about saying, you know, it, there's nothing that we can do at this exact moment that's going to change the trajectory of, of where, what path we're on in the next couple of months, because it really is, that is dependent, it's, it's citing science. I mean, there's a certain amount of infections that are out right now that where and, and vaccine being produced where there's literally no immediate impact, no matter what anybody does, to be able to knock out what the current infection rate is. All of the changes that are made slowly begin to, to start having in effect, like such as when we had the shutdown of restaurants and other indoor entertainment venues in the state. It took a while for those numbers to come down because there's there's a delayed effect, and so I what I 
took away from Whitmer's speech last night is, you know, I know that Joe Biden is doing it so, so that he can, he's saying that he wants to be honest and transparent about what is going on. And even if that means that the news is not the best, <laughs> even if it's really what, what people don't want to hear, he's going to tell people what the, the reality of the situation is. And, you know, it's, um, I, I honestly think that this is this is something that needs to happen uh, much more often in state governments and and in local governments because you can't really share code amount when you're talking about something that is just literally life and death. It, it's you, you just can't really people in those kinds of blows when you're potentially talking about you know high fatality rates and and where, where you govern. Right, and I think that's a good uh, segue point to get into where exactly our own take on the state of the state. We've mentioned the COVID crisis, uh, the kind of numbers that have, uh, in terms of cases and deaths, 500, 000, more than 500,000 cases, more than 14,000 deaths in the state. It's not, you know, those numbers can be kind of overwhelming at times when you think about what that means for the people in the, in this state. And so... Um, and when you compound that with some of the um, non-health factors of COVID, Audrey, you mentioned unemployment, job loss, even, you know, for some losing a business. We've seen many closures in and around Holland across the state over the past 10 months or so. And then there's been a byproduct of, uh, you know, not being able to open fully for business and also outside of the initial CARES Act, not having as much federal relief as I think would have been necessary to uh, institute these shutdowns. As we're moving forward, there's a clear divide between Governor Whitmer's uh, approach of kind of the health aspects first and the, the Senate Republican um, kind of, or, or the legislature Republican kind of uh, approach of personal responsibility, you know, let people choose if they want to go to a restaurant or not. Other key issues that Whitmer, Whitmer touched on, again, road funding has been something, uh, even before she came into office, she ran on the slogan of let's fix the damn roads. Um, that first year in 2019, she couldn't come to an agreement. It turned into a mini budget crisis where they got to a day or two before getting to a shutdown, um, before getting something passed. Last year, there was a there was a bonding idea, which did commence. Um, it's We've yet to see how... Really, the, the pandemic has affected that, but those bonds were applied for and approved. Now, there were some other um, things that she mentioned, such as the, the My Clean Water plan, $500 million plan to um, improve, you know, treatment systems. Uh, think, you know, sewer systems, getting rid of lead pipes, things like that. Um, wage hikes for direct care workers. And then one thing we mentioned when we were planning for this uh, podcast uh, fixing the damn road ahead. It's kind of a listening tour. Um, just and I'll and I'll throw this out to either of you. Was there anything non-COVID related um, from Whitmer's address last night that kind of caught your attention? I, I mean, I <laughs> I had something and then you said non-COVID related because it is tangentially COVID related. But honestly, what is in at this point? So, um, <laughs> but it was a little bit of an impossible question there, Arpan. But she did mention. The, the um, assistance program that she rolled out for essential workers, uh, you, you know, whether that's a, a teacher or a grocery store employee or 
you know, a, a elderly caregiver that they can have assistance from the state if they want to go back to college. And that's something that's a couple of months old at this point, I think. But I know in her previous state of the states, she's talked a lot about education initiatives. She's talked about uh, women's health care a lot. I think that was last year's state of the state where she talked quite a bit about uh uh, inequities in healthcare for women of color, particularly. So there were some some kind of tidbits of, of her her pushes for for new policy in the past, but it just felt like so much of it was just completely overshadowed by the here and now immediate needs of the state relating to the COVID crisis. That she could only get in little bits and pieces of what she may have spent you know five ten minutes on in the past. Yeah, I think that something that that I mentioned as as we were prepping for the for the podcast was that her her tone specifically struck me as something that would that has evolved. Um, it been quite the same tenor that we saw uh, all the way through twenty twenty. There were there was a lot of tension. I mean, it's hard to believe because <laughs> even worse in twenty twenty. I think that things are maybe incrementally coming down somewhat it's appreciated that she at least attempted to try to dial it down to try to bring people to the table we'll see how how realistic that is with the GOP and whether or not they're willing to also you know put their toys in the sandbox away so that they can all get kind of back to work but I I was impressed by the fluidity of her speech it seemed very thoughtful and intentional that's not always the way that she comes across sometimes things are a little bit um last minute you know obviously with this you know the evolve it the the evolution of the virus and quick thinking but it was really there there were some branding threads that i saw through the speech that i think will resonate well with with residents she still remains fairly popular amongst uh you know a lot of uh surveys that are taken about how effective she's been um during her term and how she's handled the virus so i think that her popularity will remain strong it's just whether or not they can turn that into productivity because eventually those numbers are going to start to get chipped away at regardless of the fact that the virus numbers are going to go down if they can't start getting things done and lancing them you know, nobody likes an ineffective government. So we'll we'll kind of see where that goes. The lack of an audience, too, I think helped a little bit with that very planned flow, I think, because normally she's giving a speech in front of a a fairly adversarial crowd of, of, like Arpan said, that that Republican legislature. And it's always a little interesting in those situations to see what what lines get an applause because it's a, I mean, you know, fairly surface level indication of what may have a little bit of bipartisan support if you know a line about i don't know an increase in covid vaccines or or whatever it happens to be gets a, a a larger applause then that may be an indication okay this is something that the other side cares about too maybe we have a little wiggle room here but when there's no applause all the way through it's it's much harder to tell how those lines land, I guess, uh, or are perceived until after the fact when, you know, statements from the Michigan GOP and, and all the other organizations come out. It's it's this weird kind of compartmentalized version of, of how things landed to the, the more general audience. Right. Yeah. And I and I appreciated that that it was 
you know, she really was trying to go for a positive message. She's trying, she's trying to strike the, the conciliatory tone. She's trying to say, let's come together. Uh, you know, I'm glad that she didn't reference a whole lot of uh, po political points that might, you know, undermine what the overall goal is for, you know, trying to get some things done. Um, so I, I, you know, as a citizen, <laughs> as a voter, I appreciated um, that that it was a little bit more, it, it was calm, it was direct, it was honest, I thought, and I, I, I feel like it'll land well with her supporters. Right. Um, one thing I, I will uh, uh, say, Sarah, you know, you mentioned, I, I think, you said turning some of these popularity into productivity. I do have my doubts, you know, going forward. I, know, I just, I know. It, it's just something to where, it. <laughs> and, and you mentioned, you know, the, 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 the GOP kind of side of it, but I don't think Whitmer has necessarily shown too much, um, you know, that, that she's, you know, what a, they, they both seem pretty polarized. I don't think that, you know, if, if you look at Whitmer's point of view, why wouldn't she be polarized? And it's the same thing with with the Republicans. These are fundamentally, you know, opposing takes. I I would be surprised. I mean, we did see um, State Rep. Terry Brand. I think last year was one of the Republicans that came out in favor of you know codifying a mask mandate. Other than that, <laughs> I'm trying to think of a time where you know, other than the first few weeks. Of the of the crisis of the pandemic, when you know Whitmer and and uh, you know the legislature were able to kind of coalesce on something, I hope you know moving forward there isn't as much division and you know we can get things done. Um, a lot of Republicans have criticized you know initially it was Whitmer doing things through executive order, then it became the health department um, that was uh, it, that is issuing you know all these kind of restrictions and other orders which are targeted at you know slowing the stopping the spread and things like that the legislature initially gave the health department power it's part of the state's public health law so they're not they're not going to have a veto proof majority to change anything about that so i think throughout 2021 you know as much as i hope to see the end of this pandemic this year um i don't think we'll see the end of the uh, MDHHS in terms of, you know, making the, calling the, the shots of what the state should do going forward. Um, one of the, the last things we wanted to, to hit on, and this is something that kind of emerged this morning. Um, we mentioned uh, Shirky did a couple of radio spots. He also did a joint press conference with Speaker of the House, uh, Jason Wentworth. Um, he said, you know, I think he was trying to be gracious um, in this term, but he, he was speaking about Whitmer not wearing a face mask while speaking, which is something that she does do when she's giving um, the kind of weekly updates, despite they're not not really speaking in front of an audience. She wears a mask um, while speaking, while there are a couple other people in the room. Everybody wears a mask besides um, the sign language interpreter. Um, this morning, Mike Shirky said... I think he said she looked delightful without a mask on, it, you know, and then during his... Um, he said that was the most important part of her speech as well, that she wasn't wearing a mask, which just... <laughs> Let, let's just get into it, you know, <laughs> just kind of... I'll, 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 
I'll def- defer the floor to you guys. Just what what's kind of your reaction when you hear him say, "Oh, she looked delightful," you know, before then he kind of goes after the actual parts of her speech. I mean, my first reaction is barf. Like, are you serious? I mean, it it just completely harkens back to you. I don't know if you guys remember this, but in in her first state of state address, you know, she she spent all this time talking about policy and all these these things, and all anyone could talk about was how her dress she wore was ever so slightly too tight. And it was just so infuriating that yet again, here are her adversaries. This one happens to be a man talking about what she was wearing or not wearing instead of anything of substance that she talked about. It's just so incredibly tone deaf. Yeah. And it's also so dismissive of, you know, her, like you said, Audra, talking about the families that have been affected, the deaths that have occurred, and then to, to, you know, imply that she should not wear a mask at all anyway, because she's a beautiful woman. And I'm just like, first of all, yeah, yuck. <laughs> nobody, nobody wants to hear that from a coworker. <laughs> Dude in the grocery store telling you, you should smile more vibes, which no one wants. Right, right. So, yeah, it's just, you know, it it goes back to some of the comments that he's made previously about when he announced that he had coronavirus and that, you know, (laughs) I don't even know if I want to say what he said, but everybody is aware that when he said that the the Chinese virus came and got him and he fought a good battle and he whistled it to him that, I mean, it just, it comes up, it's just so odd and bizarre and frankly just... You know, even if you were trying to go for a joke, which it wasn't funny, it's, why are you joking about something like this? Why are you joking about something when people are getting seriously ill and going to the hospital, they're dying, and, you know, it's just, it just comes up as something toned up. Yeah, well, um, we'll see, just kind of, I haven't been able to find, you know, if anyone's asked Whitmer about it, I know she did a little press scrum uh, virtually this morning, um, but I think the, I don't think the comments came up. So we'll see if she comes up with a response. Knowing Whitmer, um, it'll probably be something you know kind of in jest if she makes a response to it. I don't know if you guys remember, um, maybe this was last year or the year before uh, when Shirky was speaking to I think it was a Hillsdale College Republicans. He called he called her um, bat. Uh, crap crazy and he didn't say crap <laughs> I don't know if I can swear on this podcast so I, I won't get into it but um you know he said that and then and then for uh, Shirky's birthday Whitmer got him a cake in the shape of a bat so I mean this is something to where like they've joked you know when, when he says things like this you know they joke about it in the past I maybe it's time for him to kind of reel the stuff in um um, because I think, you know, for, for you guys, as you say, when you perceive this and your reaction is gross, it's, it's not a good look for anybody. Well, uh, I think we are about out of time here. Um, we have actually gone just about as long as the governor spoke yesterday. So anyway, before we go, Audra, Sarah, any lasting thoughts to get us out of here with? I think like you said, our panel will be very telling moving forward. She had this, you know, Governor Whitmer had this opportunity to, to state her intentions and then what the fallout is of that and whether there is any bipartisanship moving forward to get get these actual items done is what we'll have to wait and see if, if that occurs or if it's still this sort of continuous deadlock. 
I think um, in just realistically, I am. There might be a couple of things uh, done, but honestly, you know, change doesn't happen unless the voters are putting pressure on their representatives to get things done. Um, and so I really think that, you know, now that the, the horribleness of 2020 uh, is behind us, we really need to stop and do a good gut check about letting some of these really deep bipartisan, you know, arguments go and, and just kind of like really keep in mind the fact that, you know, real people, real human beings are being affected by not just the virus, but also the economic effects of the virus. Um, we all kind of have to just calm down and we need to start telling our leaders that they need to work together because that's not going to happen unless it comes from the citizenry who are in touch with their leadership because the leadership is reflecting what they think is going to best please the people who elected them. So until that happens, I, I think it honestly starts with us. And I hope that some people will take her at her word and, and, and that she's being genuine about it. Um, and even if she's not, it's still a good message to be quite honest. <laughs> All right. Well, on that note, we will get out of here. Guys, thanks for listening as always. Sarah, Audrey, thanks for joining me as always. Uh, until next time, this has been another episode of From the Newsroom with the Holland Sentinel. I'm Arpan Lobo. Thanks for listening. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.